Remember, as you're enjoying this fabulous podcast of the radio show, you can also get the Armstrong and Getty One More Thing podcast and Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, our long-form interviews, available via the iTunes podcast app and the iHeart app. We'll play a chunk of Cory Booker's launch ad that explains who he is and what he's about. The best audiovisual launch that I think I've seen. He hired really good people. And then we'll take a look at what some detractors are saying about this first-tier candidate running for uh, the Democratic nomination. Yep. Stay tuned for that. It's pretty striking, the tape we're going to play. I think you'll, uh, it may surprise some of y'all. So, uh, as I've been discussing with some of the fellows on the show... I'm having Little D, my 19-year-old daughter's car, shipped to her at college. It's quite a long distance, um, and it's 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 been a huge pain in the butt. Um, and and I texted you guys yesterday um, that I, it's easier to get fentanyl across the border than it is to get my car, the car to my college kid. Knowing what we do about the NSA, it, did that get flagged? Am I on somebody's radar? Uh, I would guess that, yeah, it triggered something. Interesting. I'll bet the word fentanyl triggers something where they look at your texts. Or, yeah. or it maybe gives them the opportunity to look at all your texts for the rest of your life. <laughs> well, I'm gonna Nobody start, knows is the key to this whole thing. I'm going to text some really ludicrous stuff today about ISIS and and uh, nuclear deals with her. Who knows? I don't even know. I'll have to think about it. I'll drive it to her. I what? can drive it to her in three days. You Give me a what? pot of coffee. I'm gone. I want to so bad, I can't even tell you. Judy and I hop in that car and drive across the country. I love that. I love it. I love it. But i got to be at work. Anyway, uh, Emily Saul joins us. Emily is a reporter for the New York Post. She covers courts and that sort of thing and has had the privilege, the honor, the thrill of covering the El Chapo trial as it unfolds. Emily, hello. How are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. How are you this morning? Excellent. We're terrific. Um, so we're about this wrapping poor up. poor Mexican farmer who's been railroaded, <laughs> set up. Scapegoated uh, frame. Exactly. Right. All those things. Spanning uh, multiple countries. <laughs> I couldn't have said it any better myself. So we're into closing argument time, huh? Yes, actually, we've concluded closing arguments. So all that we have left is the jury will be charged on Monday. That'll take about two hours. Um, that's where they're informed on, you know, the law as it applies to the case itself. Uh, and, and I've been a juror multiple times. That process is boring, confusing, and a waste of time. But having said that, you've established yourself as quite a wordsmith already this morning. Uh, describe for us, please, the closing arguments of the prosecution and the defense. Well, I'm, they were uh, just diametrically different um obviously you have uh we so we had initial uh closing arguments from um from prosecution then defense and then a rebuttal argument by prosecution so the uh the first uh the first closing by prosecution was maybe more than six hours and it was just very um just very sterile, very dry, very to the point. Uh, they went through the verdict sheet, which is very long, 
and basically explained point by point why uh, Mr. Guzman was guilty of, of everything as charged. Um, you know, we had photos of, of cooperators and how their testimony corroborated others and that sort of thing. Um, that was was just very different from the defense approach. Then the yesterday. defense got up and said, yeah, but still, and sat oh, back no, down. Oh, no, he did. <laughs> so, so, uh, Jeffrey Lickman, one of, uh, one of Chapo's three defense attorneys, um, you know, stood up and, and basically spent uh, maybe maybe five hours, um, you know, just railing against the, uh, quote, scum, end quote, uh, that were the cooperating witnesses, you know, uh-huh. lifelong criminals who have themselves been involved not only in, in drug dealing and violence, but, you know, some of whom have also admitted to, uh, to murdering people. Which or, is true, right? Yeah, yeah, which is, t- uh, it's true. Um, and it, uh, it was just, it was a very... Um, it it was a very dramatic closing on their part. Uh, Lickman just sort of he had a script and he sometimes stayed to it and sometimes didn't. And so we got some some interesting anecdotes. He said things like, you know, they all basically inserted uh, Mr. Guzman's name wherever they could. He said at one point that if he'd asked one of the witnesses a question about the um, 1978 World Series, that the witness would have said that Chapo Guzman was there stealing someone's popcorn. <laughs> um, wow. It, we you know we heard he talked about Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner and you know tales that we'd heard from cooperators about, you know, grenades being thrown into their cells and them not dying, and he was like, this is just such pure, fanta- like, fantastical. Right. Huh. Like, so do we, do we have any belief that some of these people were going to go to jail or going to jail and then they are being offered lesser sentences? So to with, to with, flip um, on Guzman, which would make sense. With almost all sense. of the cooperating witnesses, uh, all, nearly every one of them uh, is currently in jail. Only a single one escaped uh, being charged at all, and that was Christian Rodriguez, the IT guy who the FBI flipped, and he gave them access to Chapo's private server in addition to uh, all the Flexi spy software that he'd had installed on the uh, devices of his uh, associates and also his wife and various mistresses. Um, and then we've had people who, you know, pleaded guilty early on or who weren't that involved in violence and, um, you know, they've done their time. Others uh, have pleaded but are still uh, waiting sentencing. And probably and after- reduced sentencing, though. These these snitches don't snitch for no reason no, because exactly. they've had a change of heart. <laughs> that's part of the defense's point. Um, sure. So after they're done, the government submits what's called a 5K letter to the judge saying, you know, they did a good job or they did didn't do a good job, and then the judge determines whether or not they should, you know, they're facing life, whether or not they should still get life or uh, or they should get less time, such as time served. I mean, we also have some people who have already been sentenced to life, and this is sort of their, like, their Hail Mary, if you will, because prosecutors can also file uh, a letter, you know, saying this person did a really good job. All right, Maybe and let them out when they're 67. And yeah. the line Alan Dershowitz... Or tomorrow. <laughs> the line Alan Dershowitz, Harvard Law professor, always says is sometimes they sing... Sometimes they compose, depending oh on what they've got to do to that's get out of trouble. Def- that's the defense And you just got to get one juror who thinks these are a bunch of lying, murderous drug dealers. Right. Well, which leads to my next question for Emily Saul, New York Post reporter. And it requires a bit of editorializing, Emily. But what's your perception of to what extent the prosecution case hangs on those controversial witnesses? Does it entirely depend on it? Or what's your perception? So it, it hangs very, very heavily on on the cooperators' accounts. Um, they they called in total uh, nearly 60 witnesses. Uh, 14 of those were cooperators, um, but a lot of the evidence that we've heard about um, about Mr. Guzman's obviously his you know his, his business, his cartel, has come from them um, as an attempt to sort of um, 
tone that down. They prosecutors definitely during their closings, you know, would they would show a slide that was like this cooperator, this cooperator, this cooperator, this law enforcement source, and then sort of tick off where these stories checked out and right. to say that you know these are people who haven't spoken to each other for ten years, twenty years, maybe never met, and yet they're telling the same stories that they couldn't possibly know unless these things actually happened. Um, but it, it definitely uh, it definitely depends. It, it hangs a lot on, on whether or not you're you're willing to believe cooperators. But that was a question that was asked of the jurors before they even, um, you know, uh, were uh, were impaneled, as it was just sort of like, can you, are you willing to to weigh the cooperator's testimony, knowing that these are these are criminals. Right. Um, but I mean, yesterday, yesterday during uh, prosecution's rebuttal, Amanda Liscom, um, one of the uh, prosecutors from Maine Justice, basically said, you know, we didn't choose these witnesses. Chapo Guzman chose these witnesses, and oh. the day that cocaine conspiracies are made in heaven is the day that the government can call angels as witnesses. That's a good line. Really good. Can line. call angels as witnesses. Yeah. So one personal question, Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, are you happy that? this uh, this fell in your lap uh from a work standpoint do you spend all this time on the trial it seems like it'd be a great great gig to me it, i mean it's definitely been fascinating i think it uh it will be um i, I don't know that i'll ever see anything like this again this has been a, a case unlike any other sure. and i know from speaking with colleagues who have been around for much longer than i have that they've never seen anything like this this is not a traditional trial. Um, this is a, I mean, this is a, it's a historic trial, and it frankly has been a, you, an honor to, to bear witness to it. Yeah, I'll bet. What a cool thing to do. Did you come out of it hating the guy? I mean, just really think this is really, really a scumbag. No, no. Um, I think it, it tends to be, uh, I found covering, um, you know, all of the other things that I've covered, um, it's when you approach it from a, um, you know, a, the standpoint of, uh, you know, of a reporter, you kind of don't typically do not become too invested in, in the defendants themselves. Sure. Right, um, right. You're a professional. Yeah. Come on, Jack. <laughs> I mean, one, one, one tries to be. But, you know, it's also, we hear, you know, we hear really. these, <laughs> we hear these, we hear all these tales, but then you still at the same time, you know, you're met with a very quiet, composed, uh, you know, 61-year-old man who, who sits politely in the courtroom and Simple waits farmer. for his wife. Right, exactly. So I guess it's back to traffic court till uh, Harvey Weinstein starts for you, Emily, huh? <laughs> yes, actually, and then uh, we, have, uh, we have Nexium. We have the accused. Oh, oh, oh my oh, gosh. Oh, that'll be a good well, one. Let's stay in touch. The fabulous Emily Saul of the New York Post. Emily, uh, great to talk to you again. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Gold star, Hanson. Gold star for the lovely Ms. Saul of the New York Post. Simple avocado farmer. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm getting framed for all this uh, stuff. By a bunch of lying drug dealers. Oh, I can't even believe Who this. Need a scapegoat? Woe is me, says El Chapo. If only I could get back to the avocados. It's time to water them. And my simple life with the wife and several mistresses who I've bugged their phones. Exactly. <laughs> I have tunnels to dig under bathtubs. <laughs> Cory Booker's running for president. Who is he? We'll get a little glimpse of that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. So did I hear a rumbling? I heard a rumbling in my stomach. Did I hear a rumbling that one of our guests for uh, later in the program is bringing food also? Yes, the no. uh, 
No, the artist formerly it. known as Craig the Obamacare no, lawyer I'm is sure bringing stacks of baked goods. And I'm sure it's delicious. See, we've started our our, our pre-Super Bowl pre-game party. Oh, boy. I've already eaten three pounds of cheese dip. And... I'm getting amped up. I can't wait. Oh, boy. So I'll admit that I don't know a lot of these uh, big league candidates on the Democratic side because I don't follow the, that politics that well. I don't know their resumes, their backgrounds as well. As I did, like, when Chris Christie all of a sudden ran. I knew mm-hmm. his story when he decided he was going to run for president as a Republican. Yeah. I don't follow the, the Democrats the same way. Uh, this Cory Booker, I know he's a top-tier person. And uh, we watched his two-minute uh, rollout today and his, his ad and his, uh, his little montage of his life that's really good. He's been one of those, uh, you know, if you're into the world of sports on Super Bowl weekend, he's one of those... College prospects that people have been buzzing about sure. since he was a senior in high school. Sure, but so. out of uh, lack of diligence or whatever, I never really look into oh, no. it. That's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you, yeah, he's a really promising guy. Oh, sure, he's on all those all those panel discussions we played hours of during uh, various hearings. He always gets lots of attention. The hilarious and humiliating Spartacus thing during the uh, Kavanaugh hearing, notwithstanding, he is a pretty promising uh, politician. But uh, so here's a chunk of his ad today. When I was a baby, my parents tried to move us into a neighborhood with great public schools, but realtors wouldn't sell us a home because of the color of our skin. A group of white lawyers who had watched the courage of civil rights activists were inspired to help black families in their own community, including mine. And they changed the course of my entire life. Because in America, courage is contagious. My dad told me, boy, never forget where you came from or how many people had to sacrifice to get you where you are. So over 20 years ago, I moved into the central ward of Newark to fight slumlords and help families stay in their homes. I still live there today, and I'm the only senator who goes home to a low-income inner-city community, the first community that took a chance on me. Uh, and I'll tell you, not only is the, the, the talking part good, but the video part's really good. I mean, it's high quality. That might be the best of those I've ever seen. He hired really good people. What does that say about his competence to hire the really good people? I don't know. You determine that. Um, there already are some knocks out there. New Yorker magazine um, commentator put out this tweet, and New Yorker obviously leans left, so fire coming from that side stands out to me. So this was in a, uh, a response to somebody saying, hey, the real objective is to defeat Trump. We don't need to criticize the, the Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. He says, no, his police department was cited by the ACLU and Department of Justice for corruption and excessive force. He tried to sell off the water supply. He somehow misplaced $100 million in educational funding and had a whole tech startup he forgot to declare on his taxes. Well, who among us is perfect? He was the mayor of Newark. He's a senator from New Jersey. He's 49 years old, which comes out as young in the way we do politics well, in America. he's 30 years the junior of the head of his party. Wow, 30 years. You're right. And the uh, his campaign rele- uh, announcement video is available at armstrongandgetty.com should you want to check it out. And he announced he's running for president today. And my uh, niece, who's super into this kind of politics and uh, campaign door-to-door for Bernie Sanders is a Cory Booker person, which uh, caught my eye. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to see how that goes. We have a long time. <laughs> Did we get to his ties to Big Pharma? He's uh, raked in zillions of dollars from um, Here? Big Pharma companies in New Jersey, which is lousy with the pharmaceutical companies. Here is one of the reasons that we don't elect senators. 
you have a record. You have a lot of people that have donated to your campaigns. You have a lot of speeches that you've given. You have a lot of votes that you've taken right. that are often complicated as to why you voted for or against something, but that gets lost, and you end up in a I voted for it before I voted against it situation like a John Kerry. That's right. why we don't elect senators, because it, it, there's a lot more stuff out there uh, to, to critique for a U.S. senator. Yeah. Well, here are a, a number of qualities that conservatives... Moderates might find attractive that will doom him in the primary uh, uh, stage of things. He has defended private equity in Wall Street. He is a champion of charter schools. Can you imagine somebody so soulless and evil that he would go to the poor families of Newark and say, yeah, your kids aren't stuck in a crappy, never-improving uh, local school anymore. You can move your kids to a different school. You can, you know, take this voucher. You can go to a charter school. We're going to give your kids hope. Can you imagine somebody that awful who would let families do that? Tisk tisk tisk. You anti-school choice people are insane. You make me crazy. So, anyways, champion charter schools. Um, he also has a bit of a history of telling tall tales, according to NorthJersey.com. He told a long, moving tale of a Newark man he called T-Bone. That was a, it was a staple of a stump speech. He talked about T-Bone over and over again and how important everything you learn from T-Bone. And then it turned out that T-Bone was a fictional character, an archetype. Uh, I kind of made him up. So uh, anyway, um, so, you know, we'll see. He was a standout student and athlete in high school. He was on the USA Today National uh, Football All-American team as a high school player, which means you're pretty good. But he was such an academic, he went to Stanford University, got a B.A. in political science from Stanford, Rhodes Scholar, went to Oxford, and then to Yale. So he's one of those people. Wow. He is, on the other hand, bald-headed. Is America ready for a bald man in the White House? Have we ever had a bald-headed president? Completely bald-headed president? Completely, no. I don't think so. What's coming up in your news, Marsha Phillips? That's that's good analysis right there, Joe. Thank you. Back to you. (laughs) Travel agents busted for bringing pregnant Chinese women to give birth on U.S. soil. Anchor babies. Apple says, oops, sorry. And Maroon 5 Super Bowl controversy continues on. Oh, Oh, please. That's my favorite part of the Super Bowl, Maroon 5. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Everything on Cory Booker, who announced he's running for president today. Lord knows we got plenty of time to get to everything since we're six months out from the first debate. I would say a year out from the first voting just to pick a nominee. But um, he is a vegetarian since 1992. Strike one. A vegan since 2014. Strike two. He is 49, never married. He's straight. He claims. Though he says, why would anybody care? But uh, well, yeah, I believe enough. he is currently dating Rosario Dawson of uh, the actress. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So he was a Division One college football player, Rhodes Scholar. Wow. Similar to me. So no, 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 that's right. I, I didn't do those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Travel agents busted for birth tourism, charged with bringing pregnant Chinese women to give birth on U.S. soil. The L.A. Times reporting, quote, When pregnant Chinese women called You Win USA Vacation Service, they didn't get information about visiting Disneyland or the Grand Canyon. No, instead, the people at the agency coached them on how to lie on applications for tourist visas. 
so they could give birth in the U.S. so their children will be American citizens. Of course. Why? The idiotic, idiotic policy of the United States that any child born here is a citizen. And the fact, I mean, this... I've said it so many times. Yes. Say it again, Uncle Jack. Say it again. Our problems with immigration are the best example or worst example of how democracy doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, because there is practically nobody in America that thinks that's cool. Right. And and the majorities of both parties don't think that that's a good policy. And, and you can't get rid of it. And it is utterly Utterly indisputable that the 14th Amendment was about freed slaves. Yeah, it's not even a question. Well, right, yeah. Sorry I brought it up. It's not a controversial topic <laughs> right. if you look at the way it polls. Right. Yet you can't do anything about it. Well, what we need is comprehensive immigration reform, which is code for not doing anything. Right. At least it has been for the last 30 years. The scheme went on for years until yesterday when the owners of You Win USA and the owners of another alleged birth tourism company in Southern California were arrested. The companies charged $100,000 for their services, a price uh, that a lot of prospective Chinese parents were more than willing to shell out so their children... If you can afford to have your baby born Mm -hmm. on U.S. soil and you don't do it, you're a fool. You're a bad parent. Right. You have a chance to have your kid be a U.S. citizen in addition to your own country, which is just one of the greatest things that can ever happen to you in your life for all kinds of reasons. Hell yeah, you ought to do that. Why a country would allow that? How is there not... I'd like somebody to explain to me all of the politics, how somebody doesn't introduce a bill today, just one line, we're ending this. <laughs> and, it's, a, and, it's the problem with Supreme Court cases, interpreting the uh, 14th. And, you know, I'm not an expert on that case law, but they say, yeah, they've, they've ruled that, yeah, it means any baby. But we need to reinterpret. God, I'd Let's say have that. another look at it. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the U.S. is out. We are withdrawing from a major nuclear treaty with Russia. Pompeo announcing the U.S. suspending obligations under the Intermediate Range Nuclear Forces Treaty as of tomorrow. The Trump administration warning Russia last month that it was in breach of the treaty signed by former President Ronald Reagan. Pompeo saying... There's no mistaking that the Russians have chosen to uh, not comply with this treaty and and present the, the risk of of continued arms growth in a way that uh, they had committed to back when they signed this treaty that they would not do. And just released this morning, the U.S. added 304,000 jobs in January in a blockbuster report. The unemployment uh, unemployment rate rather ticked up slightly to 4%. More people getting into the labor force looking for jobs because of all the hiring going on. Right. 300,000, that's a big number. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's enormous. And the fact that unemployment ticked up just shows you how dumb the unemployment number really is because like uh, marshall indicated yeah. uh, you know aggressive hiring means tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of people who weren't working because they figured they couldn't get a good gig right. now they're looking well, now they're filling out uh, applications four percent's about as low as you can get according to the experts anyway so right. it hangs around that that's as good as you can do yep, yep. Apple says it has gone ahead. It's fixed the FaceTime bug that allowed people to eavesdrop on others while using its group video chat feature. Sorry about that for anybody's lives I've ruined. It plans to turn the service on uh, back on next week uh, via a software update. The bug allowed some people to turn an iPhone into a live mic while using the group FaceTime app. Yeah. So I could turn on my wife's phone while she's sitting around talking about me with her friends. Right. Yep. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was discovered by a 14-year-old playing a video game, and then yeah. they apparently spent like the next week to 10 days trying to get Apple's attention to, hey, hey, there's a thing wrong with your phones. Right, right. right. This is the very thing that El Chapo had put on all of his uh, everybody's phones. Yikes. Girlfriends, coworkers, everybody, that he could turn on their phones and listen to their conversations. But... Oh, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, as Positive Sean was indicating, a boy and his mom in Tucson, Arizona, reported the bug, but Apple did not immediately respond. Now Apple has thanked the boy and his family in a prepared statement. Thank Excellent. you. Gave him a free iPod. Adam Levine and Maroon 5 didn't talk to uh, the press at Super Bowl weekend this week, uh, or at Super Bowl this week, but Levine did sit down with Entertainment Tonight for his only pre-halftime show interview. Oh, an exclusive. In which he discussed the band's decision to perform and the controversy that surrounded it. Here's a little bit of Adam. When you look back on every single Super Bowl halftime show, mm-hmm. people just can't, it, it's... It's this, like, insatiable urge to, to hate a little bit. Yep. Um, I'm not in the right profession if I can't handle a little bit of controversy. It's what it is. We expected it. We'd like to move on from it. All right. Here's a, here's a bit of perspective. Marshall, there is no controversy. There is no controversy. There are activist groups yes. trying to make you believe that there is controversy. And there is uh, media all over America who loves uh, conflict and a controversy. The number of people who think that innocuous, pretty boy, soft rock pop band shouldn't play the Super Bowl because of Colin Kaepernick or something. You could fit those people in this room right now and then they would have room to square dance. <laughs> it's nobody. This is non-existent. Well, more than that, how has the Super Bowl not caught on to the fact that the whole musical act thing doesn't work in the modern media era? Where oh, it's a chance to see a, a, <laughs> one of your favorite bands on a screen. Right. So since, <laughs> since nobody's into that anymore, or we're into it, but we right. can get it anywhere we want. Please, yeah. Um, I'm surprised they haven't come up with an alternative of some sort. Uh, you know, a, a college marching band contest where the, the winning two bands compete at the halftime of the Super Bowl or something like that. That'd be good. I'd watch that. Other people would watch that. You could get a number of things you could come up with, but the, the singing act thing has got to go. No, it's just, it's anachronistic. I mean, it's, I guess if you're at a party with a bunch of, you know, couples, uh, 90% of the women aren't football fans, and they say, oh, and, you know, okay, it's a mildly positive moment at your gathering, but uh, they could do better. How about, like, the trials and executions? That'd be exciting. Uh, I'm just go. thinking out loud. Caesar-style, have Roger Goodell <laughs> up there doing the thumbs up, thumbs down. Sure, sure. I don't know. It's just something exciting. Jousting at the Super Bowl. Oh, jousting. Jousting. Yes. would be awesome. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. The horses thundering toward each the other. football was dangerous. Right. <laughs> what is this? The olden days? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes, again. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. You'll love the sound of jousting. A little peewee football game would be entertaining as heck, wouldn't That'd it? That'd be cool. For 20 minutes? I'd H- watch that. Have the national championship of peewee football. Yeah. The Puppy Bowl is back again for the 19th oh, yeah. straight year or something. We'll, we'll spend a little time with that, me and the kids. We, we like the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> What's not to like? I'd rather watch that than Maroon 5. <laughs> um, so, I have overeaten. And uh, while I'm on that thought... 
There's some diet information out. Do you want more diet? Does anybody want more diet information? Mm, nope. Okay. You don't the latest. Everybody does, and everybody doesn't. Yeah. That's our relationship with uh, diet information, I think. Yeah, well, interesting twist in the whole diet thing. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show. It is cold! How cold is it? It is so cold, Ariana Grande got a Japanese tattoo that means tiny space heater. (laughs) I mean, it's cold! How cold is it? It is so cold, Canadian geese are wearing Canada goose jackets. I mean, it's cold! How cold is it? It is so cold, Trump is actually enjoying being burned by Nancy Pelosi. That's it. Trump's an idiot, sir. I laughed at the first joke, the Ariana Grande silly tattoo. <laughs> I find that funny that she got Korean barbecue tattooed on her hand. I love tattoo fails. <laughs> By accident. So much. <laughs> so, a couple of things to run through. One, um, uh, I may be hitting some sort of bottom eating-wise today, which would be good for me. That's that means something. means I can rebuild. <laughs> that's where the bounce happens. Again. Exactly. That's where the bounce happens is Michelangelo brought in his Super Bowl cheese dip, and I've already overdone it, and I've been overdoing it now for several weeks, several months, several years, really. Um, uh, but this diet information that I came across, because I know this is where I am. Now that we've all learned, if you've been paying attention, that almost everybody gains back the weight they lost Plus a little bit, mm-hmm. and how the body because your body is screaming to get back to that weight because we're wired in such a way that our body is going to work very very hard in an, uh, an incredibly unfair way to get us back to that weight right that that practically can't be defeated. A lot of people are not losing weight in the first place, and there's some m- there's mixing ideas of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Some people say a lot of people say losing the weight and gaining it back uh, is worse than just staying. Yeah. At the same that way, science keeps going back and forth and right, back and but forth. that's not yeah. whether that's true or not. I don't know. It makes sense to me. I can imagine that 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 probably is, especially if you don't keep it off very long. I've seen some people who, who it seemed like it was a week. Maybe they were at that weight. Oh boy! And you know, you're bought back. a lot of clothes. But anyway, talking about so myself, <laughs> that that is that has caused me to think. Yeah, what's the point? If I if I work really really hard and lose weight over the next four months, I'm going to gain it all back and be in the same spot. So why why go through the trouble? I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what's best, but that that's what I'll out tell there. you what's best. Lose uh, two tenths of a pound per week. Yeah. So your body barely even notices. Get a little thinner. Feel good about yourself. Enjoy your life. And, and also, that's the way to takes go. Takes a tremendous that, amount of discipline. That yeah. kind of weight pegging thing. It seems to have from from the the things that I've read. If you're strictly doing it 100 percent on dieting, that effect is greater than if you're doing it with a combination of exercise as well. Because you by just doing it by dieting, you're you're triggering like starving brain triggers. Yeah, yeah, you got to make a permanent yeah. life lifestyle change. The idea that I'm going to go on a diet, yeah. lose the weight, and then not stay there the rest, you know, whatever. But that's the latest science on that. Um, they think they now know who Don Jr. called when he made a phone call. Before and after the famous Trump Tower meeting. It was Donald Trump himself. It's the smoking gun. This means impeachment. Dad has said, I didn't know about the meeting. A lot of people have claimed that those phone calls were to his dad. 
and that that's a lie and obstruction of justice, et cetera, et cetera. Well, ABC reported yesterday that one of the phone calls was to the NASCAR CEO, Brian France, right before the Trump Tower meeting, and then right after it was to a real estate developer, Howard Lorber. Not that you would or I would know those two names, but that has been nailed down by ABC News somehow. Both of them are Russian agents. This means impeachment. This is a smoking gun. So there's that. Yeah. Have you seen the video of the guy? Well, uh, I love it because I happen to be watching CNN while getting some caffeine juice, and um, and the uh, the guy, the talking head on there, was saying, uh, "Well, listen, this uh, this is not all that significant. All it means is that those two calls weren't it, but uh, clearly the opportunity still exists. This is on the same network that yesterday was citing those calls as a smoking gun. It's time for impeachment." Okay, so if it's not what you said, that's no big deal. Okie doke. Viral video of the day is this guy who got caught faking a fall in an attempt to sue someone. You see up on the TV screen, Joe, that guy got a cup of water. I'm watching. He is now going to spill. So he spills a little water on the floor at some point, and then he kind of just lays down in it and then starts moaning, Oh, no, clearly lawsuit time. And that's why every workplace or business in America has to have security cameras right now. As much to catch criminals, it's, well, those are criminals. But as much to catch somebody stealing, well, that's stealing from you. Of course it is. As much to catch regular old time thievery. Right. You got to catch people who are pretending to fall. So you got to, no, you didn't. Yeah. No, you didn't. Man, you ever, that is a scumbag right there. You ever seen one of those uh, compilations of people trying to pull that in grocery stores? It's it's widespread. It's hilarious. It's always the same. They take a little little cooking oil or whatever, they pour it on the ground, then they look both directions, and then they lay down, ah! and, you know, try to sue. I don't know why, but I have less respect for that sort of thievery than I do the person who's, like, looking both ways and, you know, uh, grabbing donuts or whatever they're stealing. <laughs> um, just that that whole, ow, I'm hurt, and then going through the whole hospital. The, the, the amount of phoniness you'd have to have to pull that off. Yeah. You steal yeah. something, there's a couple of minutes of doing something you shouldn't do. And I don't like thieves. No, but certainly God, not. Going through the whole I'm hurt, getting sympathy from people who are really worried about you, getting in the ambulance, going to the hospital, going through the whole thing for months, maybe. Well, and claiming that the place where you quote unquote slipped, you faked your slip, is uh, they're negligent. They're bad people. They've hurt you. I mean, that's, that is impugning somebody's good name. That's bearing false witness. It's despicable. Yeah, it's pretty weak. Hey, how about you spend that time and energy into developing a skill you can sell in the marketplace, you jackasses, you other jack wagons. In- other interesting story of the day. Yesterday, I thought it was the Senate rebuking President Trump on his whole Syria policy. Yeah, I knew that uh, displeased you. And the Pentagon, uh, they're out saying if, uh, if we pull out of Syria, the, the ISIS could retake territory within months. I don't know. I, I see it the same way as Afghanistan. I'm not sure things are going to be much different if we stay there or don't stay there. And and again, as Rand Paul keeps saying, are these countries that we give all these uh, weapons and dollars to, are they completely incapable of taking care of themselves? Yes. Or dealing with their own parts of the world? That too. Well, then let's stop giving them all these helicopters and tanks and stuff. All you can't right. handle your own stuff at all. It's on us all the time. To take care of a couple of thousand ISIS people. Well, the counter-argument is then that the region becomes violent and dangerous and destabilized, and our good buddies get threatened, and commerce is disrupted, and oil flows, or blah, blah, blah. And you got to have order to have uh, economic uh, you know, development and economic activity. You know, we can't keep order everywhere, but, you know, we don't want to be the policeman of the world. The problem is, if we weren't the policeman of the world, there would be no policeman. 
You ever been to a place with no policemen? You wouldn't like it. Um, and I agree, the Syria one is so hard. I mean, that is a lawless, like, formless, Middle Ages hellhole. And the idea that we're going to build it into, you know, not just, not only not a Jeffersonian democracy, but like a functioning area at all, seems like a pipe dream. But how does this not end but up the being the alternative a, might be, you know, how ISIS. Does, how does this end up not end up being a never-ending troop placement? So ISIS is down to one square mile, as Joe Getty reported yesterday. Right. But we're going to stay there just in case for... Six months, six years, sixty years. How long? How long? That's how pathetic Iraq is. Exactly. They'll have forty square miles by next week if we pull out. That's the argument. And we stay there forever. Yes. Wow. Fantastic. As the policeman of the world. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm not saying I love the idea. I'm just saying that's the counter argument, and it's not crazy. I'd like to get out and see what happens. You know what we need to do, Jack? Win hearts and minds. Do we? Yes. Fundamentalist Islam is not the future. Mindless consumerism is the future. Eating too much is my future. Overeating and watching big screen TVs. That's what we need to. Maybe we need to show the Super Bowl to ISIS. The question with, with what, what I was posing was. I, uh, Maroon 5, very handsome. One, dietic- one dietitian or doctor put it as, did we just give everybody a pass and say there's no point in even trying? Is that what we've said to Americans with this knowledge that almost everybody gains the weight back plus a couple of pounds oh. and your body makes it incredibly hard to keep it off. It's almost impossible. Have we just given a pass to everybody? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm all know. right with that. I don't know. Um, you're all right with that? I'm all right with it, too. What Please. are you going to do? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right, Michael? Where's the cheese dip? So Corey Booker's uh, making his uh, dramatic videos about his childhood and how it shaped him. My childhood nutritionally is being lied to by the federal government for decades. Just load up on those carbs. Eat lots and lots of bread. Good, yummy bread. Bread all the time. And sugar's good for you, just for goodness sakes. Take in very little protein and very little fat. Decades, we were told that. Partly because big sugar had bribed government. And spread margarine on it. Right. That's a good idea. So, yeah, I'm a little cynical. We're going to have, if you get the next hour, fabulous stuff on national health care and what it would mean. If not, grab the podcast. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.